There's a useful sort of cliche that our character is how we behave when no one can see us. A godly and God-fearing person knows, can always see what we do, whether it's good or bad, or just mundane and ordinary. True piety, right religious character, is to move much of our religious life to where only God can see us. Here's an easy religious question. What do you do in private? Jesus seems interested in a different question. What good actions will you move into private or keep in private? Hi, pals. This is Blaine Hill with the Simply Stated podcast for the Journey Sunday School at Lake Murray Presbyterian Church in Chapin, South Carolina. This season of the podcast is on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in chapters 5 through 7 of the Gospel according to Matthew. Today we're going to read the first few verses of chapter 6 in the Gospel of Matthew. I'll try to get the basic ideas of the passage simply stated, then we'll draw some wisdom out of the passage itself. First, here are the verses for today. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you give alms, do not let your left hand Know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. Let's just run through, get things simply stated. Jesus starts by saying, Beware of practicing your piety. Beware. This is really the first direct warning we've had from him, though much of his teaching, teaching certainly has contained caution and implied warning for us. Beware. It's kind of an ominous ominous start. But also, this is not a strict prohibition. He isn't laying down rules. He's not making laws. Jesus is moving into how we ought to act, how we ought to choose. He's talking about our intentions. So in the chapter we read before, chapter 5, Jesus talks a lot about directly about how we choose to act in various situations. And now he's moving towards our our intentions in order to be seen. Intention. He we have this phrase practicing piety. And then he gives three examples: almsgiving, prayer, and fasting. And I don't want to drag us through a, a bunch of Greek, but it's worth noticing that. The, the word for practicing or doing piety, it's linked to the word or the idea for righteousness, an important principle in Christianity, right standing with God. Um, here, practicing piety will basically mean doing good things, things that are good for other people. Or maybe, more simply, just our religious practice. He talks about a reward It's worth noting that Jesus casually recognizes something very true about human beings. 
we respond to incentives. That's a major cornerstone of modern economic theory. People want, uh, people respond to incentives and sometimes called disincentives. If we know good things will happen, if we act a certain way, we'll probably act that way. Also, Jesus again has deep insight into people. People want to be seen, to be noticed by God or rewarded when they do well. In this verse, we also notice Jesus talks about God as our Father. When So that sets the idea of reward, which um, it can be translated just as wages. But we're dealing with our Father here. So this is a household economy, not a market kind of economy. Parents can reward their children, but we don't look at our children as workers who have to produce and can be replaced. Uh, we might pay our children for something that they do, uh, but we're going to feed them whether they're good or not. That's the kind of relationship Jesus is talking in which Jesus is talking about rewards. And we'll see that Jesus gives a simple structure as he talks about three illustrations. When you give, or when you pray, or when you fast, don't, and then he'll give an example. But instead, he'll tell us how we ought to behave. So now we move on to Jesus' first illustration. When we give alms. What an old-fashioned word. It simply means actions to assist others. And that can be direct aid, uh, charity, or it can be actions to benefit others. For example, uh, in the 19th century, uh, evangelicals were deeply involved in abolition work because uh, of their religious conversion. It's kind of interesting to me that Jesus lists alms first, before prayer, before fasting. Maybe he's telling us that acting for others is the most important form of piety, the most important way to live out our religious life. Interesting here that Jesus contrasts uh, how we should with hypocrites. Hypocrite is based in the Greek Greek word for actor, someone with, uh, you know, maybe you've seen the, the symbol for the theater with two masks, one happy, one sad, two faced, Uh, What he means is deceivers. I think it's remarkable to learn that Jesus is the person who brought the word hypocrite into the moral vocabulary of the Western world. Before Jesus, people didn't talk about hypocrites or use the word hypocrites when talking about and reflecting on morals. So Jesus, uh, and now it's something we see, I think, quite common. And if we're talking about morality, is we don't like hypocrites. So uh, Jesus gave us that language from the language of his day. He talks about sounding the trumpet when uh, people give a gift. And you have to ask, did people have someone blow a trumpet when they were to announce a big gift? Uh, maybe. There's no hard proof of it, but it is certainly possible. Um, It could simply, of course, be colorful language. Uh, Jesus sort of saying, don't blow your own horn. I wonder if that phrase comes from this part of the Bible. But I think this is an interesting possibility. In the temple, there was a collection box with six metal tubes that were trumpet-shaped, you know, bigger on one end, smaller on the other, and you slid a coin in. 
and if you slid a bunch of coins in, it would rattle around and make a bunch of noise and get everybody's attention. Interesting to think about that as Jesus pointing out something that was literally in front of him. Uh, not to make a big show and we give to others. He uses the phrase, phrase if you make that big show, the, the hypocrites, well, they've gotten their reward. That simply means they've been paid in full. There's no future benefit for them. Uh, Jesus gives us a remarkable little word picture here. Don't let one hand know what the uh, other is doing. Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. What a great image by itself. Uh, Maybe Jesus is also pointing out that not only do we need not to announce our good deeds to the world, we need to keep ourselves internally quiet uh, as well to avoid self-congratulation. He tells us, though, that while we're not to act so other people can see us, our Heavenly Father sees that He's watching us. Our Heavenly Father is paying attention to us. He doesn't expect us to do good just for its own sake. If you think about how what do children want, they want their parents to pay attention to them. And uh, if parents don't pay attention to children, then the kids will do something, often negative, to get their parents' attention. Because, hey, negative attention, at least it's attention. But that's not how God wants us to behave. He wants to see us doing well. He wants to find us doing well. So um, often Protestants, we really resist this idea of reward and want to talk solely about faith. But Jesus is much more down to earth, as is the New Testament. Here's a verse from the book of Hebrews. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For for whoever would approach him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. What a difference it would make to think of God as a loving father who is on the lookout to find us doing well. A friend of mine uh, who has kids a bit older um, than my children actually had kids before our family uh, had children. Uh, I remember him saying of his seven-year-old, you got to catch him doing good, and that's so important. Well, there's a few of the pieces of the Scripture laid out for us. This one's so short, I think I'm going to read it again before we go on. Beware of practicing your piety before others in order to be seen by them. For then you have no reward from your Father in heaven. So whenever you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, so that that they may be praised by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you do give alms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your alms may be done in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. Well, let's think a little bit about the maybe some deeper insight we can get from our passage. The first is, the way to think about this is, what what do Jesus' words reveal about who he is? Jesus very easily, unproblematically recognizes that humans 
respond to rewards and incentives and consequences. It's very much like his recognition that we're tempted to nurse a grudge and shrug off difficult relationships, to, that we want to retaliate and that we have enemies. How will it reshape our discipleship, our following Jesus, if we presumed an easy, comfortable, and profound understanding and acceptance of human nature? Even as Jesus is trying to shape who we are, he very easily shapes who we are already. Uh, I want to point out again that Jesus is introducing hypocrisy into the moral conversation. Of course, people before this knew that inconsistency and deception were bad, but interesting that Jesus introduces this image. Um, Worth noting, Jesus clearly has his hand on the tiller that is guiding morality in Western civilization. So we learn about the person of Jesus. What theological idea can we take from the teaching? Well, we see the importance of understanding God as our heavenly Father. Language about our relationship to God, who isn't distant, isn't remote, but attentive, like a father watching, a loving father watching a child. How does this passage help us relate our everyday lives to eternity? Well, this Father is our Heavenly Father, our Father in Heaven. It takes our behavior and moves it on a different axis and a different scale for for our rewards. When we're contemplating what we do and our own motivations, we're, we're not just looking at our own reputation or how people will respond to us Uh, even in the the coming years. Jesus' teaching here helps us set our horizon much further out. The second thing to notice is God's omnipotence that, uh, I'm sorry, God's omniscience, which means is the idea that God knows everything. God's omniscience is meant to encourage us. Sometimes the idea that God knows everything is used to frighten us. But that's, that's not what knowledge of God and his omniscience is for. It's to know that he is on the lookout, not to catch us in wrong, but to catch us in right. And that the smallest thing we do uh, for the help of others, God is paying attention. It's kind of like if you're teaching a toddler how to clean up a room their, their bedroom, uh, when they pick up one dirty sock and put it into the clothing hamper, you cheer and encourage them and make a big deal out of it. And that will bring them along to shape their actions in the future. Well, we want to settle on ethics. It seems to be the point where we close out every week. What ethical teaching, what guide can we take from this? Well, there is... First, the simple thing that we all ought not to blow our own horn, so to speak, and brag about what we're doing. And then maybe uh, the next point is uh, just as obvious, that we ought to take action to assist others, Uh, whether that is uh, simply what we might call charity, giving to someone because they are in need, or whether it's to uh, affect the world so that people 
uh, are able to move through the world in a way that is uninhibited. You might call that a social justice or something as simple as teaching people uh, how to care for themselves. Another ethical point from this passage is that we act for the good of others because we're part of the household of God. God is our Heavenly Father. And we assume that a caring Father watches what we do to correct our error, but also to encourage us. And so the question we ask ourselves is, how do we act as members in the household of God? How do we act to people in need? Here's something I notice about this passage. It may appear to be a little upside down for us. Mostly in American churches, we don't want other people to know what we give or don't give, I suspect. Uh, there are exceptions. We'll talk about that in a second. I remember uh, during the presidential election of 2012, there were a lot of report, uh, there was reporting about the candidates and what they gave or didn't give. Uh, the Romneys, Mitt Romney was running to be president, and he and his wife Ann uh, gave something like 25 or 26 percent of their income. And the Obamas as well gave uh, significantly over 20 percent of their income. It was really strange to find that out or to find out that the Bidens uh, had a little bit, but it was kind of weak sauce on their part, something like 2 percent. Anyway, we only know that because they were running for president and their tax records were made public and their tax records included what they gave. And in part, that was the point, that they wanted people to know that they had been generous as someone who was running for office. Um, at any rate, that's very unusual for us. I think as, uh, in modern Western culture, we maybe don't want that. Here's the exception, though. Sometimes uh, at churches, or it certainly happens at universities, when someone contributes a large gift for a particular item in a building or the building itself, that a plaque will be put up beside it. I've done that in, to uh, raise funds as a pastor, and uh, it's quite common. If you give a large enough check to a college or university, they'll name the whole building after you if that's what you want. Um, this verse has been used to critique that, particularly in the church more than in the university. Uh, and perhaps, I don't know if there's something to that. I think more substantial, it's worth asking ourselves, why don't we want people to know what we give or don't give? Jesus is looking at our attention, yeah, intention. And it's a question that's worth asking us. Well, Jesus has given us a lot to think about. And if you have some of your own thoughts that you'd like to share with me, a question, you think I'm off the mark somewhere, I suppose if you agree, agree with me too, I really would love to hear from you and hope that you will share that with me. God bless, friends.